Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, in our current series, I Never Knew You, we are addressing the most critical reality that every man and woman must come to terms with, and that is their eternal destiny. For every person born to earth will spend a forever when they leave this temporal domain, either with the Father in heaven or in the fires of hell with Lucifer, also known as Satan and his fallen angels. God's word has provided everything that is needed for a man or woman to come to the saving faith that leads unto eternal life salvation promise and the new birth miracle that it holds within it. But only a few will truly grasp and surrender to its mandate unto eternal life, because the enemy of God has been working diligently from the beginning of time to rob, kill, and destroy, and to keep as many as he can from entering into the abundant life of salvation's assurance that Lord Jesus came to give. By his word, the Messiah of God has clearly revealed to us that the gate to that eternal life provision is narrow, and only a few find it, while the gate to death and destruction is wide, and many are those who enter by it. Lucifer has paved that wide way with many deceptions that include a myriad of false religions, philosophies of men, dead works, and a host of other man-orchestrated and prideful endeavors and rituals. And multitudes are rushing through that wide gate, like sheep being led to the slaughter. But blessed is the one who enters through the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ the Savior. For he alone is the way, and the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. In Romans ten nine to 10 it is written that, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. However, as we covered in our last segment, believing in Jesus as the Christ and Savior of the world, while being a central part of salvation's mandate, is only the beginning or launchpad of that life-eternal salvation. For even the demons believe and shudder at that knowledge. In order to enter into the scriptural reality of salvation's guarantee, Jesus revealed the sacred criteria that makes certain that a person's believing is a saving faith. That has been birthed from within their heart by way of genuine repentance and complete trust in the blood-atoning sacrifice of the Savior, and not by way of mere intellectual or superficial agreement alone, or lustful persuasions leading to personal gain. He reveals that divine stipulation in John 3, 3, where he profoundly proclaims, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
new birth, regeneration within the sin-deadened spirit of a fallen man or woman must be evidenced by the Holy Spirit within their spirit in order for the faith that they hold to to be reckoned by God as a saving faith. At the moment, the Father judges a person's repentance to be genuine. Their sin-deadened spirit becomes made alive unto eternal life, and they become a new creation in Christ Jesus the Lord. Genuine believing therefore leads to genuine repentance, and in that place of complete surrender to the Lord and His ways, while turning away from one's own ways, the life-producing regeneration, new birth miracle, is ignited by the Holy Spirit, and the redeemed one becomes a brand new species who is no longer of this world, but is now a citizen of heaven, having been reconciled to God by the blood of his Son. And that is why a person cannot remain a practiced homosexual, or a thief, or a drunkard, or an adulterer, or a fornicator, nor covetous, nor a swindler, nor a reviler, and enter the kingdom of heaven. And woe to the false teachers in the Laodicea complacent church of today who tell them that they can. In John 3, 8, it is written, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The Amplified Bible expounds on that scriptural reality in this way. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion, is of the devil, and takes his inner character and moral values from him and not from God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's laws from the beginning. The Son of God has appeared to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil comprise every act, thought, or deed that is in opposition to the commandments of God, his ways, his judgments, and his final authority in all things. Yet those who have fallen under the beguilement of Lucifer's counterfeit gospel that is so prevalent in today's modern and progressive Laodicean church, the lost one is offered a garment of grace that is cheaply draped over them. And while believing that they are now safe and secure, under this facade they are in reality, still dead in their sins and trespasses, with a one-way ticket to hell. For to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again, and not just to bear the appearance of a better version of yourself. You can act better or do all the good deeds and kindnesses which may make you feel better about yourself but they will not satisfy the requirements of a holy and perfect God. Only his Son, Jesus the Christ, satisfied that sacred requirement. And only those who have been made one with him through the new birth miracle of regeneration within their deadened spirit will share in the Savior's resurrection victory over sin and death. As we walk on the balance line of truth, and to circumvent the enemy's potential intention to threaten the eternal security of a blood-bought child of God, it must be noted here that the one who has been born again from above can still fall into sin in his flesh. For as Paul lamented in Galatians 5.17, 
the flesh makes war with the spirit and produces a struggle for the believer of trying to do what is right and yet sometimes doing what is wrong. However, a true child of God can never purposefully or deliberately or continuously sin without remorse leading unto repentance because the Holy Spirit who now indwells us will never allow us to remain comfortable in that sin and will bring conviction upon us until his grace has its way. And the more we buffet our flesh with sweet surrender to our Savior and complete trust in his blood that he shed on our behalf and his righteousness that has been imputed to us as a result, we will find ourselves being able to more firmly resist the temptations of those sins that try to easily assail us. But as we come back to the point of our contending for truth, which we have been commanded as ambassadors of that truth, especially in our witness to the lost, let us revisit what the Word of God confirms to us regarding why the new birth miracle is of absolute necessity for a person to enter the kingdom of heaven with a scriptural support that confirms that eternal life mandate. This effort will take us back to the book of Genesis, which records the fall of man and the corrupted seed of the serpent that has been passed down through every generation born from Adam and Eve. We know by the word of God that before the first man and woman succumbed to the serpent's persuasive begotments, they walked in perfect harmony with God, in glorious and divine oneness with him. From within them emanated the same Shekinah glory that Psalm 104.2 describes as the light that Elohim wraps around himself as a cloak, reflecting the brilliance of his glory. But when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, their spirits died, and the light of God that emanated from him to them lifted from them, and they saw for the first time that they were naked. Through their disobedience, they had come out from the covering of their Creator. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had within it a component to change the genetic makeup of Adam and Eve. That is why God warned them that if they ate of it, they would die. And to die, they surely did. Elohim then had to expel them from the garden. For if they ate of the other supernaturally empowered tree in the garden, which was the tree of life, and that would cause the partaker to live forever, Adam and Eve would have lived forever in their fallen state. God had created them to be eternal beings, but now they would know physical death. And more importantly, their spirits were now dead in sin. One of the lying persuasions that the serpent beguiled them with, in order to lure them into the web of deception and destruction, was that if they ate of the forbidden fruit, they would be like God, knowing good and evil. The Hebrew word for knowing in that passage is yada, meaning to know intimately or to be one with. As we learned in a previous segment, it is the word used for when a man and woman know each other by consummating their marriage vows. And it is that same depth of knowing that represents restored oneness with the God of all creation that he desires for us to have with him. But once Adam and Eve acquired this forbidden knowledge, they now not only knew about evil, 
where before they had only known that which is good, but they now had the capability to be one with evil. And this propensity for wickedness has been passed down to every human being born from the serpent's corrupted seed. Jesus confirms this insight in John 8.44, where it is written, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Men, from this point on, would be under the curse, where paradise would turn into a life of struggle and endless work, with the greatest sorrow being that man was now separated from the Creator. But in God's endless mercy and grace, He had already made a way where there was no way. In Genesis 3.15, we are given the first glimpse of the blood atonement sacrifice that would be offered up by the Lamb of God in resurrection victory over the enemy of man's souls, where he proclaims to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the hill. The bruising of Satan's head would be a fatal wound, meaning that he would be forever defeated while the bruising of the hill of the Messiah, who would be crucified for the sins of men, and be raised again on the third day unto eternal life, would provide the way for everyone who would share in his death, to also share in his glorious resurrection eternal life power, through the new birth blood-bought miracle of that death-conquering regeneration. Bringing us as we close for today, to the exclamation point of this message, and that is that you must be born again. And this is where we'll have to pick up in our next segment. Until then, I leave you with the saving faith declaration of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Belief from the heart, surrendered submission of the will, and complete trust in the blood of Jesus the Savior. May his name be praised forever. And as always, beloved, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries. P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.